little discussion on the idea of, of faith, and this morning we want to continue that. You remember last week we talked a little bit about this concept of general revelation, what's been revealed to uh, mankind through all ages, all places, all times. Uh, and this morning we're going to be talking more about this idea of special revelation, how God has revealed Himself personally in ways that we can understand Him. Uh, Os Guinness tells us that uh, our lack of faith isn't due to the insufficiency of truth, but the ingratitude and self-sufficiency of the hearer. There was an urban kind of cowboy that went out to a ranch out in the country to see the real thing. And in the process of uh, being out there, uh, he, he watched this uh, elderly rancher at work, and, and he had a dog that was pretty well-trained. As a matter of fact, he whistled. The dog went uh, running out and uh, got these uh, uh, sheep that were out there and, and circled them and brought them back in, uh, put them in the pen, and then he whistled twice. And uh, this... Uh, a young female dog it lifted her paw up and latched the gate uh, and, and stood there. And they, this urban cowboy was stunned by this. And he says, what's that dog's name? And the uh, elderly guy thought for a minute and he said, what's the name of that, that flower that has uh, long stems and, and thorns on it? And the, and the guy says, a rose? And he says, yeah, that's it. Hey, Rose. What's the name of that dog? <laughs> this whole idea of being forgetful is not far from my mind uh, either. I, as, as we contemplate this this morning, uh, there are a couple passages that I'm going to call your attention to. One of them is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. The other is going to be uh, in Second Peter. Uh, we'll turn to that uh, last reference uh, in, in a few minutes. But as we, as we begin, I want to call your attention uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. In the process of writing the book of Deuteronomy, ten times God has written uh, here, uh, don't forget. Ten times He has written, remember. This is apparently really important. Uh, we couldn't have this message at a better time. It couldn't fall at a better time, really, uh, than uh, the celebration of the communion table, the Lord's Supper. And many of you are familiar with this. Some of you are perhaps not. But we do this in remembrance of something that's critically important uh, to the life and uh, thinking of Christianity. It's a reminder of Jesus Christ's incarnation. When he came in, when God became flesh and dwelt among us, we celebrate his birth uh, at Christmas time, his resurrection at Easter, and on a, a weekly, occasionally in some in some uh, places a daily basis, and a, oftentimes a monthly basis, we celebrate the communion meal, which is uh, 
a special uh, remembering of Christ's shed blood in his broken body uh, that was given for us. So this comes, uh, this message comes at a, at a good time, and hopefully you'll be able to follow along in uh, uh, the Bibles that are uh, in the chairs. Uh, I'm going to be teaching from the New International Version. This is the New American Standard, the black version that you have in your chair, but it's very close. Uh, in chapter 8, uh, verse 2, uh, it simply starts out that says, Remember. And he's speaking to the nation of Israel who has come out of Egypt, has experienced uh, ten plagues that got everybody's attention. Finally, the Pharaoh of Egypt decided to get these people out of his hair, out of his country, out of his land forever. And, he's, and he let them go. They crossed the Red Sea, and uh, they're in the desert. And they were there for 40 years. And... Uh, the writer of Deuteronomy says to them, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. As a matter of fact, that word manna simply means, What is it? What, what could possibly this, this be? And it turns out to be highly nutritious. And so uh, uh, there is going to be a couple slides that pop through uh, during the message. And this is uh, typical of the Judean wilderness behind, behind me. And you can see one camel there. And that's about the kind of land it would take to support one camel. Uh, and you can imagine how the Israelites having left Egypt, having left the uh, security of the provision that the Nile River would bring into that valley, uh, the leeks and the onions, it says, and the spices and food, etc., and they end up in the Judean wilderness, and God supplies them with, what is it? Uh, this thing called manna. He goes on in verse 4 and says, Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Isn't that interesting? Uh, they couldn't get clothes anywhere, so God just allowed them to have the clothes that they had. Now, some of you would be bothered by that. How empty would your closets be? And I know that it's about this time of year that uh, many of you are changing winter clothes out for spring and summer clothes, and you have the luxury of being able to do that. And I don't know where you store them, uh, but uh, they change and swap back and forth. Um, the Israelite nation uh, not only didn't have that luxury, but they did have the luxury of watching their clothes wear and wear and wear and wear. Uh, know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. God is in the process of teaching or training them. We think of discipline as a, a, you know, spanking when you're a kid or time out or something of that nature. But here, discipline is simply training, teaching. Now, when are we most susceptible to learning? And I'm most susceptible to learning when I've just been hit over the head with a two-by-four. Uh, that's, that's when I begin to pay attention. And the Israelite nation is going to be in the desert for 40 years wondering, and God is simply training or teaching them. What in the world is he, is he up to in that process? And he says, during this time, observe the commands of the Lord God. Verse 11, 
if you want to catch up to, to verse 11 in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, it uh, starts out talking about you being satisfied, you've eaten your full, you've had a, had a meal, etc. Verse 11 says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws and His decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. You notice how he doesn't say, you might forget. He just says simply, when you have eaten your fill and things are going well for you, you will forget. The one that has brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, he led you through the vast and dreadful desert that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions, and he brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourselves, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. That's kind of an interesting phrase. My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Uh, Bart Simpson, who I do not fondly quote generally, <laughs> uh, was uh, leading his family in prayer at a Thanksgiving meal. And this, this is a simple prayer, and this is the way it went. We pay for all these things ourselves, so thanks for nothing. And that's, that's a, a typical response, actually, of many Christians in our country, particularly, where we have a lot and we have the capability of getting more. And I'm sad to say that it's a typical response of Christians who um, would never claim that they're atheists, but they kind of act that way from time to time. They live that way from time to time. Rather, I think uh, it, it would be better to uh, go with what King David has said. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and make your praise our pride. It's good to give thanks to the Lord and, and make our praise our pride. Rather than being proud of uh, what our own hand has perhaps given us. What we have done for ourselves. I, it is so easy for me to pat myself on the back when uh, we've accomplished something. We stand back and we say, isn't that good? That's great. Look what, look what we've done. I've heard it here in this church occasionally. Aren't we wonderful people? Look what we've done. Look who... It's too easy to forget that it's by God's grace that we, first of all, are drawing breath. <laughs> and secondly, have anything that we do have. It's by His grace, His gift to us that that's the case. The nation of Israel is, is having this pointed out to them uh, in a pretty uh, tough fashion. They have to pay uh, for uh, a number of years uh, in this area before 
Uh, they're going to see the promised land. On the, the eve of going into the promised land, God tells them, are you going to forget? You've, you've had 40 years of this. Are you going to forget that? The second passage that I want for us to look at uh, this morning for just a little bit is in Second Peter chapter 1. It's about spiritual amnesia. It introduces the, the idea of, do you have these qualities in chapter 1? Do you have these qualities? And it, and it lists them as faith and goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Do you have these qualities? Now, I, I would think that I was doing quite well if I had one or two of those qualities, you know, on a part-time basis. I, but Peter is bringing this to our attention because he knows that if we don't dwell on these qualities, if we don't live with these qualities in hand, that we're going to develop spiritual amnesia. So in verse 12, uh, he says in chapter 1 of Second Peter, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Of course, Peter has been given a hint uh, by Jesus himself. Uh, you can read about it in, I think, John chapter 21 or so, uh, of the kind of death that he is going to die, and that he's going to die fairly soon. Peter knows this. So he's talking about the tent that he lives in. He's talking about his body that he lives in, and, and uh, he's going to be okay with that, that he goes, that he leaves this life uh, to be with the Lord. But he wants the people that he leaves behind to remember, to not to forget to remember. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. Verse 13, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Always be able to remember these things. Os Guinness is one of my favorite authors. He's uh, uh, written a book called God in the Dark. That is to say, when you're in the dark, where is God? Who is God? What's He like? And Oz says this, and let me quote, Who is God? And what difference would it make if God is not there? Where were they before they believed in God? Where would they be now apart from God? Where would you be now apart from God? The doubter will never remember unless... God works in his or her heart, bringing a conviction of sin. So we need to pray for the doubter as much as talk. Raise questions rather than make statements. Use the rapier and not the sledgehammer. Isn't that kind of poignant? To help people remember, we don't beat them over the head with the truth. We pray as much as talk. We care for him or her rather than judge. We jog their memory. They will see our point before they can help it. 
In John uh, chapter 16, uh, we read, of course, uh, that the job of the Holy Spirit that He has taken on in this world is to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's His job. Believe me, it's all too easy to try to convict someone else of their sin. That's one of my favorite things to do, apparently. And I suspect it might be yours as well. Because it's easier, for instance, to see a problem in someone else's life than in, in our own. Uh, Os Guinness's words, I think, are, are very much to the point uh, that we need to pray for them and ask God's Spirit to do the conviction that takes place in people's hearts. Oz says, they'll see the point. They'll get the point. Verse 15 in 2 Peter chapter 1, as we continue in this particular passage, And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Peter's harping on this. Remember, remember, remember. Don't forget. He had a bout of forgetfulness, didn't he? You recall it? Is that, uh, is that your master that's on trial? No, I don't even know the guy very purposefully forgets at that point. Verse 16 goes on. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty, for we received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with Him I am well pleased. You remember the story of the transfiguration. When the inside shined to the outside of Jesus Christ. When when His physical body took on a a, a blazing character. And Peter was there. James was there. John was there. They watched this take place and they stumbled about it. They couldn't figure out, what what could this mean for us? Why, Why is this here? So much of the time... We base what we believe on our personal experience as opposed to what Peter is going to call prophetic truth. Prophecy, of course, is is a term that summarizes what God's Word is to you and I. A man that prophesies is speaking God's Word, Scripture, to you and I. In times past... God has specially revealed Himself through prophets to various people. Occasionally, God has spoken out loud, as He did here at the Transfiguration, as He uh, did uh, when John was baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River, as He did uh, to the Apostle Paul on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. you remember that? Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he was stunned by that, but he was the only one that heard the voice, could understand the voice. Others that were with him may have heard something, but they didn't get it. They didn't comprehend what it was. Peter says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. But this is the interesting point of this passage, and this is what I would like for you to hang on to. Peter does not say each of you needs to have that kind of dynamic, 
unbelievable experience in order to believe. What you need is conviction of God's Spirit in your heart and in your life. So much of the world today is running out after experience. Uh, Lish and I had the opportunity to be in, in uh, portions of Africa uh, teaching at, at some seminaries there. And during that process of time, on, on, a, on a Sunday, we would go to a local church. I was astounded that the pastors in some of the most remote regions of Africa were wearing the only suit that they had and were strutting across the stage mimicking the very pastors they see on television here in the United States and teaching the same things. If you give me money, God will give you blessing. It stunned me. The pastors invited them for various experiences so that they would understand just on the basis of what they saw and touched who God was. Now hear me. I'm not saying that God doesn't work that way. Peter says this. We have more sure the prophetic word Verse 19. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place. This is right after he describes his experience in the transfiguration. And he is saying that regardless of that experience, what we have that is more certain and sure, that is, what is more reliable, what is more complete, what is more authoritative, what will last the test of time is God's Word. And that's what this passage is about. You will do well to pay attention to it as the light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 20, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. In other words, the prophets were not making this up. It wasn't something that they dreamed up that would fit the situation and they wrote it down. That's not the case. It was by conviction of God's Spirit, this process called inspiration, which is a, a, a subject all of its own that fills walls in seminaries. Uh, with information about what inspiration is and how it works and, and how this happens. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, verse 21, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter implies here, of course, that there's a fixed body of truth that must be held to and remembered. Jude summarizes it like this. I now feel compelled Instead, to write to you, to encourage you to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Faith isn't just a feeling. Faith isn't just an action, believing. But faith is also a body of truth that God has given us. And we are to not to forget to remember. Well... How do we do that? When we understand that, that Scripture is given to us, how do we put it into our lives in a way that we can remember it? I have to do it on a daily basis, guys. Some of you may be different than me. 
But I have to think about it with regularity or I will forget to remember as well. I received a letter from um, a young gal that uh, worshipped here a number of years ago. And she worshipped here for a number of years, as a matter of fact. And she just lost her husband. But listen to this uh, uh, letter that comes. Every time I think of all of you, I weep with gratefulness. I don't know how to express my overwhelming gratitude for your many years of love and commitment to our family and your amazing support over the last year as Rick was diagnosed with cancer on February in 2011 and then transitioned into the kingdom of heaven on February 23, 2012. As I look back, I am glad I didn't know he only had one year to live. There are no regrets. We had the best year ever. We snowmobiled, kayaked, rafted, camped, bicycled, four-wheeled, swam, went to weddings, graduations, community events, drag races, roller derby games, traveled to California, Wisconsin, Missouri, and spent weekends and holidays with friends and family. And Rick was the best Santa ever. Where they lived, he played Santa Claus for the last 15 years. Well-known in that community. As a Christian, people are going to have a hard time forgetting him, but they're going to have a hard time forgetting Christ in him. And that's principally her point. We had the best 26 years ever also, and I am the most grateful woman in the entire existence of the world for many reasons, too many to write. So I bask in my gratefulness as I grieve the loss of my soulmate, lover, best friend, and spiritual partner of 26 years in the midst of supernatural comfort, joy, peace, hope, and love. It is a sacred place for me to rest. Wouldn't you agree with something like that? I know Debbie well. This is really difficult for her. But she's not forgetting to remember. Pray with me. Father, we are thankful for your your day that you've given to us to remember you. Help us to remember that this is your day and it's very purposefully set apart for us to remember what you have done for us. Continue to make us grateful so that we will not forget your love, guidance, forgiveness, and grace that you have so compassionately poured out on us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Frank Butler is, is um, uh, do, do you want, Frank Butler is going to come, come now and, and give us uh, a little rundown on where we are uh, as a church community at Dillon Community Church uh, in, uh, in looking for uh, a pastor uh, for this next period of time. Frank? At least he's going to try. morning. I can't believe, Bill, that uh, we didn't uh, compare notes, but we didn't, did we? It's amazing. Uh, I was here three weeks ago to uh, 
talk to you. Some of you were here, some maybe were not. Um, I told you then that uh, I had a lot of feelings. Uh, some were pretty angry. Uh, but underneath that, I had some excitement. You remember that? And uh, today I can tell you that I still have most of the same feelings. I've maybe uh, entered a, uh, or, or detecting a feeling of encouragement uh, that's growing stronger. And uh, the excitement certainly is growing strong, stronger. And for, for those of you who don't know, I'm Frank Butler, and I'm the chair of the, the board. And... Uh, I am just here to give you an update. So welcome, everyone. Uh, I'd like to start off by uh, praying with uh, two or three scriptures that I know. And so if you'll bear with me, please, I'd like to just read these uh, and lift them up to our Lord. From Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And from uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new is here. And finally, and you can pray this for me as I continue, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I know, and I say amen, and I know that uh, you are praying, I feel it, and I I'm very grateful for that. We, um, we are taking a course of action. And um, here are some of the issues that we're, we're dealing with. And I'm just going to read these. And, and hopefully these will be consistent through the next months. Uh, maybe they'll be added to and modified a bit. But we need a steady track. One, fill the pulpit. Two, obtain an interim pastor. Three, evaluate needs and define direction. Four, hire a senior pastor. Five, pray and trust God. Six, love God and neighbors. Seven, minister to the body, the body of DCC. Eight, guide and manage the staff and ongoing ministries. And nine, serve God. Now, I can tell you that uh, these are not necessarily uh, prerequisite to each other. Some are, will be ongoing all the time. Uh, some are in progress, and you may have read the email that Jude Mitchell put out, and uh, God bless her, 
and the work she does. Um, with regard to filling the pulpit, we have uh, uh, a, a group who's working on that. Bill Spear is one of those, and he's also filling the, the, the pulpit. Jim Hamilton, who is on his way driving back to Virginia uh, because of the death of his mom. Uh, we have uh, we have Rob uh, Schmidt who's helping with that. We have Fred Sharp down in Texas who's a part timer up here. He's he's helping with that. Who else do we have, Bill? Tim Morris. Uh, so uh, that that's ongoing. And I'm I'm happy to report that the pulpit dates are filled through May. We have we have all those dates filled. Uh, with regard to an interim, I told you in the email that uh, the board has, we've set in a direction to uh, possibly hire an interim pastor from a um, organization called Interim Pastor Ministries. And news since then, I have a name, I have a resume, and I have a meeting set up. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Along the lines of evaluation, I'm now we, we now have it uh, uh, determined that uh, the cost of this is well within our ability to pay for it, and uh, that's even with a uh, maybe a more conservative budget for for the next fiscal year. So that's encouraging, also an indication that uh, that uh, God is. Uh, you know, blessing our uh, our, our steps, uh, and uh, so I, I feel I feel encouraged about that. Uh, with regard to uh, some of these other issues, uh, guiding and managing the staff uh, and ongoing ministries, I can tell you that we don't want to mess with it too much because the current staff, as they're established. Is uh, they're, they're doing a great job, and we have lots of ministries going. The Vacation Bible School is, is an, one example. There are a bunch of them, and I feel very good about that. And, and I think you should do that. You should also feel that way, and you should be praying for those folks because they are a blessing to us. And um, with regard to the body. You know, I, I can't know your hearts, um, but uh, I have a good feeling about that. And in talking with Jude, you know, uh, James says that uh, our works are uh, evidence of our faith. And, and when I uh, talk to Jude, and she counts up the number of, of, of members who are working in ministries in this church... It is a big percentage. And what a blessing that is. Now, there may be some who are not, and, and I encourage you. Um, God called us. Jesus called us to be workers in the harvest. We are to serve. Uh, there are other things going on here. And if you have questions, please don't hesitate to come to me uh, to uh, talk to a board member. Talk among yourselves. You you can figure this out. I know. Now, uh, 
Bill addressed this question, but I'm going to ask it a little more specifically um, because I, I think it's important. I, I believe it's very important. It's important for me. Is there anyone in the room besides me who does not believe that he or she knows what DCC should do right now to right the wrongs of the day and move forward in our ministry and mission? I don't want you to answer that, but I want you to think about it. Well, beyond that, I ask you to pray right now and to continue praying that I don't implement my plan. But instead, I let go and let God be the one who leads us in this current experience. It is God's journey. It is God's experience that he has given us as a gift. It's a gift from him which we are to learn more about him. It's an experience gift from which we are to learn more about who we are. And it is a gift experience from which we are to learn to grow closer to Him, to move closer to Him. And as we walk this path, this path that He's laid out for us, so I, I just encourage you, please, to continue. Don't shut down until we get where we th- you think the, the next target is. We're fine. Let's continue worshiping God and serving Him. And we're, we're in great shape here. And the staff is strong. Things are well. I have a couple of prayers I'd like to end with. Uh, one is from First Peter five, and this is a this is a prayer for the elders. And um, in uh, beginning in in verse one, uh, Peter says to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of the flock, of God's flock, that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. And then uh, from, uh, from John 17, 20, I would like to uh, pray for us. And Jesus said, 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that I that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have given, that you have for me, may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Amen. And now if you would uh, all stand up. I encourage you now to, uh, to go in peace. Uh, don't forget to remember. Thank you for that message, Bill. And remember also that it is your spirit that joins with the Holy Spirit that will witness to the world that you are children of God. Go in peace.